Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I am so happy you're here. Despite how I sound, I am so sorry about my voice. I actually was going to record this podcast last week and decided to hold off, hoping that my voice picked up and it appears as though that did not happen. So I apologize. I hope you can suffer through my voice. That smoke from the Canadian wildfires has just really done a number on me this summer. And that's where that's where we will leave it. So hopefully this is not too terribly annoying for you because I am really, really excited about this week's episode. We are talking today about building and accessing a school community in the summertime. You know, I have two favorite C's. I love to talk about communication and I love to talk about community. And the reason I like to talk about community so much is because I really think that community can be an underlying factor. It can be kind of like the vibe that helps a child to feel a sense of belonging and to feel welcome in their community. Now, you know, our goal is always to have a school community that is extremely welcoming, a school community that puts off the 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 sense and the general vibe and the the aura, let's say, of, you know, being inclusive to everyone. And because I do so much inclusion work and because I have worked so hard in my own house for my Jack to be included in his community, I think this is super important. And most importantly, I think that establishing the community and the lessons that we learn from accessing various communities can really help us in our school advocacy. And this applies, friends, regardless of what your child's disability is. So you might be thinking, gosh, my kid just has dyslexia. They don't have a cognitive impairment. They, you know, my child is really good. They're the quarterback of the football team. And so I don't really, you know, know that we need to work all that hard on community. I'm telling you that if the football community is where you really feel at home, we can talk about the lessons that we learn in that football community and we can put them back over into your education advocacy. And so that's really kind of what we're talking about here. So first of all, let's talk about what we can learn and what we can do when we access communities in the summertime. This is just a really great time to do it because we don't have all of the other obligations. You know, during the school year, a lot of us have our kids in school and then we take them to some kind of therapy. We take them to some kind of tutoring. We take them to some kind of practice. We're doing that with our other kids as well. And then we make dinner, we do homework. And by the time all of that's finished, it's time for bed. Or we're so exhausted that we aren't going out and we're building communities. In the summertime, we have a little bit more opportunity to do that. 
And our children have a lot more opportunity to do that because if we're working seven, eight, even four hours a day, then our kids are in some kind of community. They're maybe at home with a babysitter or a nanny, they're at daycare, they're at summer camps. All of these places provide opportunity for community. And what I'm saying is when we access these communities, we can learn and then we can communicate what we have learned back to school to make for more successful experience. So let's talk about communities that we can have in the summer. And I just kind of alluded to them. So we have all this extra time. What are we going to do with it? And how are we going to make some kind of lesson out of it? I think the real secret here is to find what your children like. You know, if we're trying to learn from something some experience in the summertime, let's make it enjoyable. So do your kids like a particular sport? Easy. Do they like a particular activity like hiking or rowing or chess? You know, what are we looking for? What do they enjoy? And then if you can't find it, if you if you decide that your children just really are into chess and you're like, but I can't find a chess camp. I can't find an art camp. I can't find a rowing camp. See if you can create it. And this does not mean, I am not saying that you need to go out and be the camp counselor, be the leader of the community. Maybe there's a club at your local university and you can find a college student that would be willing and interested to lead some kind of camp or to lead some kind of community. Maybe you can find someone in your own community that can do it. You know, maybe your babysitter is interested in doing a summer camp. When Griffin was a toddler, we, a group of moms in our little community, was looking for a way for kids to continue to learn a little bit in the summertime, but really to stay together. We had a group that went to story time in the library, <coughs> excuse me, and we were, we loved our library story time. And so we were hoping to keep the kids together because, you know, after library story time, we would go get lunch or we would go for a walk in the strollers, take the kids to the park, whatever. And the kids really liked that. And so we divided up the summer into eight weeks and there were eight families. We each just took one week. That meant I needed one half hour or sorry, one half day off of school or geez, oh, Pete's off of work. I needed one half day off of work. And what did I do? What do we do? We created a little half day camp one time per week for eight weeks in the summer. And we focused around literacy. So the first summer that we did it, I remember I did the very hungry caterpillar. And, you know, we ate all of the foods and we played games that were centered around that theme. And we did something with magnets because I know I still have some of the magnets. I'm sure I printed something off of Teachers Pay Teachers or something like that. But we had this nice little community. And Griffin still talks about that little community, right? So what did we learn from that community? Well, in that case, I actually, I had not interacted with Griffin in an academic setting as a leader before, and Griffin was really shy. I'm like really, really shy. But when I was the teacher, Griffin had this kind of innate leadership. And so he like loved helping me pass things out. He liked actually leading games. He liked 
kind of being like the hype guy for the stuff that I had planned because of course you know at home in the evenings he had helped me plan things cut cut out papers for the crafts and whatnot and he really enjoyed that and I was so surprised I learned a lot about what he enjoyed because I got involved in creating a community what could I then communicate well every year it parent-teacher conferences in October for Griffin, who is typically developing not on an IEP or a 504 plan. Every year in October, until about sixth grade, actually, the um, teachers would say, gosh, he's just so quiet. I wish he would come out of his shell because, you know, he gets, Griffin's like an old soul. So he would always understand, you know, the, the adult humor. He would understand, like, you could always tell he was following along and they're like, I, I just wish that everybody else would see his little personality. And so I could share, you know, when I do things in our little community, he really does enjoy taking on a leadership role, but sometimes he needs a little bit of prompting. So if you ask him to hand out papers or if you ask him to be a group leader in something, he will probably really shine in that opportunity. And the teachers would do that. They knew then that they could prompt him and that he wouldn't shut down. That was something that I learned that then I could communicate over to school. Now, another community that we access in our family is we access the swim team. So I think, I don't know that I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I've definitely mentioned it over on social media. We are having a fair amount of trouble with our local and with our state Special Olympics organization because they kind of as a policy, do not offer behavior supports. And long story short, Jack was kind of like cast aside. It was kind of like, if you feel like swimming today, if you are quote unquote motivated, which I hate that word in this setting, to swim, then have at it. But if you aren't, then you're just welcome to hang out in the corner over there in the water. And so... It's just kind of a fact that that's what they do. I don't know that there's a whole lot of room for change, which is super frustrating and super sad for us because we totally love swimming and, you know, where else are we going to access it? But at the same time, there are many other opportunities for us to access swimming and there are plenty of of inclusive opportunities for us to do that. And so at our little summer club, Jack is on the swim team. And so we're learning by going to practice with him and by going to meets with him and by talking to the coaches and talking to our babysitter that takes him most often and by doing all of these conversations and observations and experiences, we're learning just what it takes for Jack to be successful in a social slash academic, I'm sorry, athletic endeavor. These are things that we can then communicate when we get back to school and we say, gosh, we would just really love for him to be in some kind of academic setting. So I'm sorry, athletic or extracurricular setting. So last year, Jack did unified bocce ball, which was really fun at school. And I found that he didn't communicate very well about what he liked and what he didn't like. And as a consequence, as a yeah, a consequence of that, Jack was kind of like, on the outskirts of bocce ball a lot. He would play for a little bit and then he would honestly, I think probably get a little overwhelmed, maybe a little bored. And then by the time I was there to pick him up, he would be on the side of the gym, kind of just playing with his Legos by himself. 
Well, I have learned things through our summer swim experience about how to re-engage him, how to ask what he wants and what he is enjoying and what he needs to enjoy the experience better, that then I can communicate back to school to help him enjoy the bocce ball experience more next year. What do you do if your school does not have an environment or if your community does not have that kind of environment? You build it, right? You build that kind of environment so that you can learn it. And we talked about how I built that environment in my little community with this literacy club or whatever we called it. I don't remember what it was called there. So the the key here, friends, is no matter what the community is, no matter whether we build it or we access one that's already there, we can learn so much about our children that then we can communicate to school. And it might be behavior supports. It might be personality stuff. It might be interest, enthusiasm. It might be personality of the person that supports you. It might be how they interact with peers. It might be a communication support that just totally unlocks the door. It might be how they read the directions to something. It could be any of those things. But when we learn those things and we either proactively communicate them to school before an activity or an experience, or we reactively report them to school because school says, gosh, we've you know had this problem and we need to blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what it is. It is so, so helpful when we get out there, we get active in our communities, and then we're able to communicate those experiences and lessons back to our school team. So I hope that this is super helpful. Again, I hope my voice didn't drive you crazy. It's starting to kind of drive me crazy, so I'm going to wrap it up. I will see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week.